Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Maddow. The Daily Wire has just broken some news. Uh, this has just come out. This is incredible. Democrats' fact-free demagoguery of illegal alien shelters is not... Whoa. <laughs> uh, it's not... Uh, it's not... Oh, can we, um, can we put up a graphic of all this? Do we have it? Democrats' fact-free demagoguery of illegal alien shelters is not working because the Obama administration did exactly the same thing and nobody cared. CNN and MSNBC and fake Republican pundit strategists are... Oh, I'm going to have to hand this off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That does this for us tonight. Uh, We'll see you again tomorrow. Now it is time for the Michael Knowles Show with Michael Knowles. Wow, that was a really powerful opening from Rachel Maddow. That was a really, uh, mm, really good stuff. Uh, we're going to get to uh, more of that. We're going to have to play that again in a second. That was really powerful. Uh, this totally contrived contrived immigration issue, by the way, is already having major ramifications for the Republican Party. The GOP has lost another fake Republican from the ranks, Steve Schmidt. We're going to ask analyze that later. Uh, Then we're going to talk about uh, Chesterton's fence and how Chesterton's fence is getting 10 feet higher. Finally, we're going to bring on Derek Hunter. He is the author of the new book, Outrage Incorporated, How the Liberal Media Ruined Science, Journalism, and Hollywood. He'll be coming on very quickly. Uh, Okay, before we... Before we get to my doppelganger, isn't this amazing? Look how hard I work for you. I got to jump over to MSNBC, then I got to come back here and do this show all in a day's work. I got to cry. I got to recover. Uh, before we get to playing that again, we have to thank Lending Club. Make a little money, honey. These guys are so, so good. Uh, I, and I, I can attest to Lending Club. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you're in a pinch and you need a little bit of money. This happens in life. For decades, credit cards have been telling us, buy it now, pay for it later with interest. Despite your best intentions, what happens? That interest gets out of control very fast. With Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt. You can pay off credit cards with one fixed payment. Don't uh, let these high interest credit cards uh, destroy your financial future. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed rate personal loans. No trips to a bank, no high interest credit cards. Just go to LendingClub.com Tell them about yourself, how much you want to borrow, pick the terms that are right for you. If you are approved, your loan is automatically deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days. This is really important when Ben doesn't pay me. It's really good to have the opportunity to get a little money and and keep living. Uh, You know, when I was younger, through a series of unfortunate events, I inherited my house. And those houses are money pits. Something is always going wrong at the worst moment. When your bank account's low, you know, the roof starts leaking, the, the water heater, whatever, uh, use the tools available to you. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer lending platform, over $35 billion, billion with a B, in loans issued. Go to LendingClub.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Check your rate in minutes. Borrow up to $40,000. That's LendingClub.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Borrow up to $40,000. That's approximately 40,000 times my annual salary from Ben Shapiro. LendingClub.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. All loans made by WebBank member FDIC, equal housing lender. Okay, uh, we're, we're going to uh, uh, 
have to play Rachel again because it was so moving. It was so emotional. Can we cut back to my doppelganger on MSNBC? The AP has just broken some new news. Um, this has just come out from the Associated Press. This is incredible. Trump administration officials have been sending babies and other young children. Oh. Hold on. <laughs> to at least three <sighs> Can we put up the graphic of this thank you do we have it no three tender age shelters in south texas lawyers and medical providers just <sighs> i think i'm gonna have to hand this off yeah <sighs> sorry that does it for us tonight. We'll see you again tomorrow. Now it is time for the last word with Lawrence O'Donnell, where he is live in Brownsville, Texas. Thank you very much, Rachel. We just got word of... You know, I hate to criticize my twin here. I hate to attack family. That is one of the worst performances I have ever seen as an actor. I am uh, Listen, I've been in these indie movies and little things. Uh, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I've been in the great movies of all time or Citizen Kane. Every performance I've done is uh, Sidney Poitier compared to what she just did on MSNBC. It was so unbelievable. It just wasn't a credible performance. But I don't know, maybe that's why she makes more money than me. She's at least willing to go out there and humiliate herself and pretend to cry over this totally contrived issue. Why is this a totally contrived issue? Why? Because they've really been ringing this one for all it's worth out there on the left even though we present them with facts, don't we? So they, she says, oh gosh, oh, oh no, it's so awful. Well, she wasn't shedding those tears when Barack Obama was doing exactly the same thing, was she? Unfortunately for the, uh, I, I, you know, uh, someone, I think it was Ann Coulter said that the immigrant children are crisis actors. I'm not saying that, but Rachel Maddow definitely is a crisis actor because that, is, that just isn't uh, true. She wasn't crying when Barack Obama was doing these things. Under the Obama administration, and we have the photos to prove it, folks, uh, Barack Obama put these kids in shelters, twice as many kids as Donald Trump has. Uh, you saw all those photos of kids sleeping under sinks, packed, you know, a bunch of them in a room, wrapped up in those little tinfoil blankets that they give you on marathons that make you look like a twice-baked potato. They're all of these kids piled on top of one another during the Obama administration. Not a peep from Rachel Maddow. Not a nary a tear fell from her face. Isn't that? Luckily for us now, we've got the proper vessel. So when they start pouring, we can start sipping them and they're all delicious. But that, you know, they're all uh, handcuffed. You would even see some photos under the Obama administration. It would say juvenile holding cell. So just in case it wasn't clear, the Democrats try to spin it. These are holding cells for children. They even had some that said female juvenile holding cell, which is really the great outrage of the Obama administration because he was uh, assuming people's gender. How outrageous. I mean, that's the worst crime of all, isn't it? I can't believe the intersectional left didn't raise a ruckus about that. What else in the Obama administration? Well, there was a, an immigrant uh, illegal alien, Nancy Luna, who sued for a wrongful death sued the Obama administration in 2014 for the wrongful death of her husband because he had type 2 diabetes. He was being held by the Obama administration, wasn't given medical care. Was Rachel crying about that? I don't remember Rachel shedding tears about that. She didn't recount that to us at our family reunion, did she? Uh, the Barack Obama administration admitted, six, uh, admitted 16 admitted MS-13 members 
into the country. So he let them all just come right in. These, these were people who we knew uh, had affiliation with MS-13. He placed over a dozen kids in the custody of human traffickers, known human traffickers. Why? Because he didn't perform a background check. The Obama administration didn't perform a background check. Uh, what else? Oh, yes. Uh, so there have been a, a a handful of cases in the Trump administration, relatively a handful of cases. We're talking about a couple thousand kids who are being held because what else are we going to do with them? Are we going to, we can't send them right back immediately. We can't let them into the country uh, unaccompanied and uh, given amnesty or allowed to uh, break our laws and flout our laws. Under Obama, there were over 100,000 cases between 2010 and 2016, immigrant cases that separated families, 100 thousand. Not a tear from Rachel Maddow. Isn't that strange? Uh, in, in 2014 alone, by the way, this is a really funny irony because now he's saying these kids are coming in and they're holding them. They're encouraging kids to come in and they're going to be hold, held. In uh, 2014 alone, around 70,000 unaccompanied minors crossed into the United States illegally. 70,000. And, and the left then, it's very hard to keep track of these things. The left then was encouraging it. They said, yeah, come on over here. Yeah. Then you go to a detention center. Yeah. Come on over. Now it's the worst crime in the history of the country. Why? Because they don't really believe it. They don't really believe it. They're, uh, if they really believed it, Rachel Maddow would have really been crying there. <laughs> and more, more to the point, she would have cried in, uh, in 2014 when Barack Obama was doing these exact same things. Uh, we, I, I want to get to what this speaks to because this is the essential aspect of our time, Chesterton's fence. This is the reformers, the reformers who yell, do something, do something, tear this down, change this, do something, right? Uh, before we get to Chesterton's fence and make Chesterton's fence 10 feet higher, folks, we got to bring on Derek. We have a good guest. Uh, he has a book out that, that really is a uh, proper timing. The book is called Outrage Incorporated, How the Liberal Mob Ruined Science, Journalism, and Hollywood. Derek, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Michael. Yeah, I couldn't have picked the timing any better, but I, I'm still jealous of your book. I, I, I wish I had thought of right, the research you did. It had to have started when you were a teen. The, the research book. started from when I was a little boy. It, it, I've been researching yeah. that book all of my life. The timing there was very well, too, because it was something about early 2017 really made people uh, understand the important thesis in my book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a Comprehensive Guide. Uh, but I can, you know, listen, I, I always knew you were a gentleman. Now I know that you're a scholar as well. Uh, this book talks about the outrage that we're seeing pouring out. I mean, my, my leftist years tumbler has been overflowing for the last few days. Everybody is outraged all the time. When did it start? Why did it start? Well, there's always been an element of it on the fringe of the left. They've just been the angry left ready to take to the streets. But the main part of the party, the establishment of the party, kind of kept them at bay. Now they're the base. So they've got a ready-made mob of unwashed mutants ready to march at a moment's notice. The, the day after Trump was inaugurated, they took to the streets. He hadn't done anything, but they knew he had to be opposed. Two weeks later, they marched for science. He hadn't done anything, but they knew he was going to ruin everything. It, it, it is an amazing feat of marketing to sit there and tell somebody, be angry all the time and have it work. I wish I had that ability. But the, the reason behind it is if you keep people angry or you keep people scared, Michael, you're not thinking rationally. You've mm -hmm. been mad at your remote control or you've stubbed your toe on your coffee table or something and you, you've cursed or thrown something in a fit of anger. You're not thinking rationally. You wouldn't normally do that. But if you're angry, you're not thinking. 
And that is what the left has to do to keep their base motivated, because otherwise, what are they offering come November? Bernie Sanders, crazy, a job for everybody. Well, we've got basically full employment, so he's missed the right. boat on that. <laughs> we already have a job Medi for everybody. Medicare for everybody. Well, we just found out that in 2026, that's going bankrupt. So, you know, if somebody's willing to give you a first class ticket on the Titanic, you're still going to hit the iceberg. So they've got to keep people from thinking rationally. And it's been on display this week. I love the Democrats running down there saying Donald Trump is using these poor, sweet, nourishing children as human props while they're making sure that they're framed properly in front of these poor, sweet, nourishing children that they're <laughs> using as human props. It, it's unbelievable. It's crass. It's ballsy. But it's not surprising in the least. I'm just jealous that they're so good at it. I wish I could be that good at it. Well, I, I want to get to the doomsday cult and where this crazy outrage might spring from. I have a thesis on it from, ba based on what I read in your book. But before that, you know, we're talking about all of these uh, happy children at the border. I want to talk about another way to make children happy, and that would be Little Bits. How's that for a segue? Little Bits, an award-winning platform of easy-to-use electronic building blocks for creating inventions large and small. That's the best segue we've ever done, right? We got a, I want an award for that. Uh, it is really cool. It is great. So uh, I've got this for my uh, little nephew. Uh, when I got this, they, the Little Bits sent me their cool droid kit, uh, you know, their Star Wars droid kit. And so they sent it over here and I'm say, okay, I'm going to give it to my little nephew. That'll be a nice thing. All of the 30-year-olds at the Daily Wire jump on top of me. They, they're like, you know, leeches trying to get this toy to play with themselves. It is very cool. It is a super cool toy. The complete droid kit has six bits, 20 droid parts, three sticker sheets, and a free app. The app has step-by-step -step instructions, video tutorials. Uh, it's got drive mode, force mode, self-nav, uh, 20 authentic droid sounds from the Star Wars films. And you, can, and you build your own droid, so you can reconfigure it in ways to create brand new droids. Kids learn to control electronics with code in missions. Uh, this requires a smart device, so you get to use it, do it from your phone or your mobile device. It's really cool. I was into Star Wars as a kid. If this thing had been around, there's no question this would be the number one toy to get. And I think uh, that's the reason it keeps winning awards. It got the Toy Association's 2018 Toy of the Year for your kids and Inspire Invention. It is so, so good. Uh, visit littlebits.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Get $10 off a Droid Inventor Kit. Don't say I never did nothing for you. Littlebits.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. 10 bucks off a Droid Inventor Kit. This is the gift to get. I always worry, you know, with my nephews or nieces, what am I going to get them? I don't, you know, I'm not like totally in the kid culture these days. Uh, what am I going to get them for a gift for Christmas or any holiday? Get them this. Little Bits, the complete Droid Kit, and save some money littlebits.com slash Knowles. So Derek, uh, you know, on this outrage question, where it all came from, very early on in the book, you say this is first world problems, that there is a, a sociological function that when people have it too good, they need something to complain about. And then you also talk about the doomsday cult of global warming. And I've always noticed the environmentalist movement really launched into full form after the fall of the Berlin Wall. After the Cold War ended, after our actual existential threat ended, the left just made one up. It just invented one out of whole cloth. Is all of this outrage just 
an aspect and a consequence of our luxury and our decadent society? A large part of it is when the Berlin Wall fell and the Soviet Union went away, the left lost. They were basically rooting for that side. So they needed to come up with another way to oppose capitalism and individual liberty. And there was a ready-made one there with the environment. What better way to scare the crap out of somebody than to say, you're destroying the planet. We are destroying the planet. We must now cede our liberty, our property to the government in order to save the entire planet. And of course... If you remember the 90s and the early 2000s, Al Gore was running around going, there's 10 years, 10 years or it's too late. If we don't do something now, it'll be too late. Well, that came and went. And we haven't, I'm, I'm in New York. I didn't take a gondola to my hotel. We are not flooded. Uh, the storms that we were promised didn't happen. They weren't more frequent. They weren't more powerful. So rather than what a normal human being would do when something like that goes wrong and reflect like, hey, maybe I was wrong about this, they decided smartly from a diabolical point of view to extend the time frame. It used to be 10-year predictions. Now it's 100-year predictions. You, Michael Knowles, if you predicted come Friday, the world will end and you get a bunch of followers, Saturday morning, you're going to have some explaining to do. But if you decide, no, no, in 100 years, the world will end, well, you can't prove that. But more importantly, you can't disprove that. And now if you look at the climate change studies, they are 100-year predictions. They talk about the year 2100 because nobody will be around to recognize that they were full of it, that they were lied to. But we must act now, of course. The answer is always now, whether it was what, global cooling in the 50s, which was a, Brady for Dan was writing about it in the 50s, or global warming in the 80s and 90s, or just generic climate change. We always must act now. And the solution, ironically, was always the same. It's very curious. No matter what the problem was, the solution was the same, which would cause a normal person to go, that's weird, when the problem was the exact opposite. <laughs> the solution was the same. So... You know, they, they again, they have to scare the hell out of you or something like that. A question like that might occur to you. Yeah, I love that. That's the argument for socialism now. The earth is getting too cold, therefore we need socialism. The earth is getting too warm, therefore we need socialism. The earth is either changing or staying the same, therefore we need socialism. <laughs> <laughs> it's always big Big government has failed. What we need is bigger government. Right. That's obviously the solution. It's insane. But if you're not a thinking person, it makes sense. You know, and that is, this is the Chesterton's fence thing. We're going to be talking about that later in the show. They, they just say we have to do something now. In 350 million years, the earth is going to have two degrees higher temperatures. Therefore, we need to do something, do something, do something, right? Uh, the big promoters of this hysteria, the big outrage vendors are the journalists, quote unquote, from the mainstream media. Are the journalists, I think there are three options. Are they stupid, hysterical, or cynical? I guess they're not all mutually exclusive, but do they really believe what they're selling? Do they really buy their own product? It's impossible to get into somebody's head, no matter how much room there is in there. And there's a lot of empty space in these journalists' heads. But I would say it's a little from all three of those columns. It's the in crowd. When you're rolling in the circles, I live in Washington, D.C., when you're rolling in those circles and you're at the cocktail parties, there is no dissent. It is like having a, a sea of bobbleheads on the dashboard of your car going down a dirt road. They're all just going up and down like, yes, 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 yes. So when you go to some place, and look, every four years they go to Iowa, all these journalists, they pat themselves on the back as heroes because they went to a diner in Iowa and had a talk with a real human being. 
Then they immediately go back to New York or D.C., take a Silkwood shower, de-louse, and then live for four years telling everybody about how they their trip to the zoo in Iowa, visiting real people. To the, the elite on the coast, the country, in the middle, the middle of the country is nothing but the place their chemical toilets jettison on their private jets as they go out to L.A., <laughs> That's, it's a good uh, it's a good metaphor for what they do uh, in their commentary and punditry. <laughs> that's the mentality out there. They believe they are the smartest and the best and the brightest because they have a little badge that hangs on their lapel with their picture on it that gets them into places the general public can't go. Uh, having worked in that business, I can tell you, you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to get a media credential. It doesn't imbue you with any special knowledge. And as we see every, I mean, last night, Rachel Maddow crying on television. I wonder how many onions they had to cut to make that happen. I, pro- <laughs> that is I take pro- some offense because I am her, but uh, you're absolutely right. She has a total, she had two settings, off and sarcastic. And suddenly they upgraded her to 3.0 and they added tears. Yeah, that's Hopefully good. Hopefully she'll short out. I don't know. That's good. I heard the new version has animojis too. So that, that, I guess it's an upgrade, you know. Uh, the, the, you're so right too about that, uh, talking about it for the next three or four years, they say, I was in Ohio. They write about it like Thomas Friedman, every single Thomas Friedman column, you know, I was on a bus in Beirut and I talked to somebody. That's how they write about Ohio and they Iowa. They write like it's, it's Jack Kerouac on the road. They come back and they publish their journals like they've cured cancer when all they did was talk to a real human being who doesn't have an advanced degree in 1940s bisexual polar bear studies. Real people with real jobs who get dirt under their nails, you know, and don't have a manicurist to get it out. That's right. Now, do, do you think you cite in the book, later on in the book, you cite uh, Lindsay Stone. She was that girl at Arlington Cemetery, and she took a picture in front of the uh, unknown soldier, and it said, please be quiet or don't yell or something. And she was flipping the bird and pretending to yell. She wasn't really yelling. You know, this picture went on Facebook. People got a little angry. And then the media blew it up. They said, oh, there's outrage, even though there was only outrage after after they posted the picture, right? This right. girl, she lost her job. She got death threats, rape threats, all of this. I mean, you, re- you really f- feel bad for the girl by the end of the episode. Uh, it, is there any end to this? Are we, I mean, it just seems so mean. Like people are just out to get each other and there's no grace and there's no forgiveness. Do you see a, our culture turning a corner or is it only going to get worse? I think it's only going to get worse because I don't know how to dial it back. Honestly, I'm not saying that to be funny. I, I, it, for it to be turned down on the left, we saw yesterday the Secretary of Homeland Security chased out of a restaurant because of who she is. An angry mob came in and chanted her out of it. It would take Democratic leadership not tolerating that from their base. But with an election around the corner, there's no way they can't not tolerate that from their base because their base is all they have. On a slow news day, an average person can be destroyed by an angry journalist bored and looking for a scalp. Right. On, a, on a regular news day, they all suffer from Trump Tourette's. They, they mention the president's name and the Nazi Hitler. They just immediately freak out. Mention Ronald Reagan to a, 
a committed leftist. The man's been dead for a decade, more than a decade, been out of the White House almost 30 years, and they will go off as if he had just run over their dog in his drive in their driveway. They do not forget. I've written a column about this. They do not forgive. It's they don't want to defeat you. They want to destroy you. Yeah. That is how they work. And when you're dead, they're still going to come after you if you make the only sin in liberaldom, and that is thinking wrong and disagreeing with them. That's exactly right. That's such a good point. I got to let you go. I've taken up enough of your time, but it's such a good point. And the book is so, so fun to read. Uh, it's Thank it's you. really a great read beginning the to The earth end. will be destroyed in uh, 3,000 years if you don't buy this book today. So keep that in mind. It will. Don't have I'm that trying. blood on your hands, people. Outrage, Inc. How the liberal mob ruined science, journalism, and Hollywood by Derek Hunter. Derek, thank you for being here. Thank you. So let's, that actually is the perfect segue because the, it, it is the, the question of do something, yell, scream, we have to do something. Uh, this is Chesterton's fence. And this is Chesterton's fence getting 10 feet higher under the Barack Obama administration because that's all the Democrats are. They say, they see these kids at the border, uh, even though they've been coming through for years and years and years. Uh, they're, now the Trump administration is actually following the law, enforcing the law that was supported by Democrats and, and some Republicans alike. And they say, just whatever, do something other than this, do something. And do something is what people who don't know what to do say. That's, that's, you remember that kid from Broward County, David Hogg. He, it's hard to forget because he's on CNN every 15 minutes. Uh, he would say, we have to do something. And say, what do you want to do? He'd say, uh, something. How about something? Have you guys considered doing something? Because that, that's what I suggest we do. Uh, this is uh, right now. Donald Trump is talking about a possible executive order to uh, stop these separations. The executive order would violate the law. It would violate the law. It would be in violation of federal law. And then what? Then what's going to happen? Do you think the Democrats will say, "Okay, good job, Trump"? No, they're going to yell at him for violating the law. <laughs> they're like, there is no. Uh, dealing with these people seriously, they are not honest brokers. They're not being honest actors here. Rachel Maddow wasn't crying when Obama did far worse to these same people than Donald Trump is doing. It is all just a scheme and uh, people shouldn't fall in for it. On the doing something, Chesterton's fence, Chester, uh, G.K. Chesterton, the great writer who we reference on the show all the time, he, he put this very well. He said, quote, in the matter of reforming things, as distinct from deforming them, there is one plain and simple principle, a principle which will probably be called a paradox. There exists in such a case a certain institution or law, let us say, for the sake of simplicity, a fence or gate erected across a road. The more modern type of reformer goes gaily up to it and says, I don't see the use of this, let us clear it away, to which the more intelligent type of reformer will do well to answer. If you don't see the use of it, I certainly won't let you clear it away. Go away and think. Then when you come back and tell me that you do see the use of it, I may allow you to destroy it. Chesterton's fence. People who go up, they say, this must be crazy. I don't understand why this law exists. I don't understand why this rule exists. Well, if you don't, then I'm certainly not going to let you change it because you don't understand anything, right? I'll only let you change it if you can tell me why it exists and why it should be changed and how changing it will make it better. This is the issue of this policy because the alternative is putting kids in jail. That's the alternative to this policy. What would you rather do? Uh, would you rather put kids in jail at, with their parents, but they're in jail indefinitely, little toddlers in jail indefinitely, or would you rather have them in facilities that are run by HHS and have their parents in jail? Just like in America, when a, when a parent goes to jail for committing any crime in America, the kids are somewhere else. 
The kids don't go to jail with their parents. The parents rob a bank. The kids don't go to jail with them, right? So you could do that. Or the alternative, which the Democrats want, is to just let the kids go free and let the parents go free with them and stop prosecuting parents. That's what they really, really want. This, I'm getting, there's breaking news. Now I sound like I'm Rachel Maddow. Donald Trump, President Trump did sign the order to end family separation. We're going to have to parse how exactly that went. This is being reported by the LA Times. Uh, I, I knew he was going to do it. I think we all knew this was coming. It just was such uh, bad optics. But it, it, it's not a smart move to play into the Democrats' demands here. It's not good to take their premises. I will have to parse and see exactly what this executive order does because there are only going to be more problems down the road if this violates the law, which uh, it is hard to imagine that it won't. Uh, the Democrats are not going to let up on this. But there are, uh, beyond the executive order, that's not really the, the main issue here. Beyond the executive order, there are three uh, bills being proposed, three pieces of legislation to address this issue because the executive order is just a patch, right? They'll say, okay, we're going to stop enforcing the law. What's going to come from that? Then you're going to jail kids or you're going to let the, ki- uh, the parents go. Either way, you're going to have trouble. Three uh, bills being proposed. Senator Dianne Feinstein, uh, Paul Ryan, and uh, Ted Cruz. Two Senate bills, one, uh, one from uh, Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. The Feinstein bill uh, bans the separation of families. That's it. It's a violation of the law, possibly like this executive order. Uh, this was articulated very well by a congressional intern the other day as President Trump was walking in. Here it is. That's one of the most articulate Democrats I've heard from Congress. That's a congressional intern yelling as the president walked through the Capitol. That's basically what Dianne Feinstein's bill means. It's just, you know, screw you, Mr. President. Uh, Then the Paul Ryan bill uh, allows the kids to be jailed for more more than 20 days, so they won't be separated, but then you got, you've got kids basically in jail. I don't, I don't know that that's a great solution. Then there's the Cruz bill. The Cruz bill is pretty good because the Cruz bill, uh, addresses the immigration issue. It doubles the number of immigration judges. It expedites proceedings. It expedites deportation so that it won't be an issue to separate the kids because it'll all be done before the statutory minimum or the statutory maximum of how long kids can be held in custody. That seems like a great idea. Of course, Senate Democrats are going to say no because they don't actually want to fix the problem. They just want to demagogue. Uh, There's some bad news here. There is some bad news for the culture. There's really, I don't know how the GOP is going to get, get past this. Because of this big issue, the GOP has lost a fake Republican, a fake Republican strategist. Uh, here is Steve Schmidt. He was the head of the McCain campaign for president. Here it is. Here is what GOP strategist Steve Schmidt has to say. I certainly don't feel guilty about being a Republican. I've always been a Republican. My father is. His father was. The whole family is a Republican family. I voted for Dwight Eisenhower the first time I ever voted. I voted for Nixon the last time. But when we come to Senator Goldwater, now it seems to me we're up against a a very different kind of a man. This man scares me. Now, maybe I'm wrong. A friend of mine has said to me, listen, just because uh, a man sounds a little irresponsible during a campaign doesn't mean he's going to act irresponsibly. You know that theory that the White House makes the man... I don't buy that. I mean, when the head of the Ku Klux Klan, when all these weird groups come out in favor of the candidate of my party, 
Either they're not Republicans or I'm not. I thought about just not voting in this election, just staying home, but you can't do that because that's that's saying you, you don't care who wins, and, and I do care. I think my party made a bad mistake in San Francisco, and I'm going to have to vote against that mistake on the 3rd of November. Vote for President Johnson on November 3rd. The stakes are too high for you to stay home. Oh, that wasn't Steve Schmidt. That was the same trick that Democrats have been playing on Republicans forever, including all the way back in the LBJ election. So Steve Schmidt, what are we going to do? I mean, what is the GOP going to do? We have just lost the chief strategist for the McCain for president campaign. I mean, this, we have just lost one of the worst GOP strategists ever who ran a campaign that literally suspended itself just for no reason. That campaign that made it an important point to say nice things about Barack Obama, the opponent, that, that campaign, that guy, how, what is the GOP going to do? How are we ever going to keep losing elections if we don't have Steve Schmidt? Now we're going to have to start winning elections. That'll be terrible. That'll cut against this, this squishy strategy that, that the GOP has embraced at various times. Uh, Steve Schmidt, he's a total squish. He, uh, he would frequently invoke that, that phrase country over party, which is a meaningless phrase, by the way. They always say that when people want to attack their own political party. It's usually just Republicans who do this. They say country over party as if that's an actual dichotomy. That's not a dichotomy. The reason I'm a Republican is because the Republican agenda is better for the country, much better than the Democrat agenda. So I'm a Republican for my country. I choose my party because of my country. There is no world in which you have a dichotomy between your party and your country. It just means you're not a member of that party. I don't say country over Democrat party. I'm a Republican. It's country over the party that I'm not in. Okay, right. Duh. That's why it's a party. That's why you're in that party. So Steve Schmidt, uh, I mean, you actually could trace his tweet storm leaving the GOP point by point to that video that uh, LBJ put out, the Democrat campaign for president. He, he follows it almost point by point. Uh, Steve, Steve Schmidt, uh, by the way, Steve Schmidt is a guy, he's such a squish that he actually wrote an uh, amicus brief to the Supreme Court on the uh, gay marriage issue because he wanted the Supreme Court by judicial fiat to radically redefine marriage. That's how radical this guy is. But he came out and he, he tweeted, quote, 29 years and nine months ago, I registered to vote and became a member of the Republican Party, founded in 1854 to oppose slavery and stand for the dignity of human life. Today, I renounce my membership in the party. It's the party of Trump. It is corrupt, indecent, and immoral, with the exception of a few governors like Baker, Hogan, and Kasich. <laughs> Kasich? Are you? Okay, kids, keep going. It is filled with feckless cowards who disgrace and honor the legacies of the party's greatest leaders. The child's separation policy, which was signed under President Bush and which Barack Obama enforced and you never talked about it then, is connected to the worst abuses of humanity in our history. It's connected by the same evil that separated families during slavery and dislocated tribes and broke up Native American families. I'm sorry, hold on just one second. I have to pop open my tumbler, just collects. Mm, good, good, good. That's good. I'll go on. It is immoral and must be repudiated. Our country's in trouble. Our politics are badly broken. The first step to a season of renewal in our land is an, the absolute and utter repudiation of Trump and his vile enablers by electing democratic majorities. And there it is. 
There it is, folks. This has been building for a very long time for Steve Schmidt. He's just been waiting for the opportunity to just publicly endorse a bunch of Democrats. Uh, he goes on. Uh, who cares what he says, right? It's all just ridiculous nonsense. Uh, <laughs> he goes, you know, he invokes Ronald Reagan, blah, blah, blah. They've disgraced our country, blah, blah, blah. Vote for Democrats. That's what he says. He even use, I do want to point out he uses the word fidelitas. He says, this independent voter will be aligned with the only party left in America that stands for what is right and decent and remains fidelitous to our republic. He could have said faithful, which is like the the right word to use there, but fidelitous, because he's so grandiose, is so flowery. Okay, that's fine. Uh, that's fine, Steve. I hope I hope we can make it without you. I hope this is going to be really frustrating if we have to start winning campaigns now instead of losing them all the time and apologizing to our opponents. But bye-bye. See ya. This always happens. The squishes always leave. It's been going on for a very long time. The hysteria knows no bounds. I will explain, by the way, exactly the answer you need to give whenever uh, Democrats or squishy Republicans say stuff like this, or they accuse Trump of being a Nazi or whatever. I'm going to explain exactly your response, but I got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. We only got a little bit here left. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, go over to dailywire.com. If you're a Daily Wire subscriber, thank you very much. You help us keep the lights on. You keep my cup filled with salty and delicious leftist tears and uh, uh, always an armful of covfefe. So go there right now. It's 10 bucks a month, $100 for an annual membership. You get me, you get the Andrew Clavin show, you get the Ben Shapiro show. You get to ask questions in the mailbag, get your mailbag questions in. We'll answer them on Thursday. None of that matters. You need this Tumblr. You need it now. You need it like three days ago, actually. So I'm probably just talking to a bunch of floating cadavers right now with their Facebook open. You need the Daily Wire leftist ears Tumblr. Go to dailywire.com to protect you, uh, your property, and your family. We'll be right back with the answer to all of those Nazi accusers. We'll be right back. Okay, so we saw Steve Schmidt's little temper tantrum. This happens with other fake Republicans, too. It's all the Republicans who go on MSNBC, and all they do is either lose campaigns or no one's ever heard of them until they went on MSNBC, like Anna Navarro. You know, Anna Navarro has never done anything to help the Republican Party ever, and, but then she goes on MSNBC, and she's the Republican strategist which is, Republican strategist is another way of saying somebody who was here who would come on the show. Somebody who, who can talk on camera. All right, that's, what that, that's all that means. So, you, but you've heard the hysteria ginned up like crazy, especially over this immigration thing. They say Trump is a Nazi, and this is what Nazis do, and he's Hitler, and he's a Nazi. Uh, Vox, this is a headline from Vox. Jeff Sessions tries to beat back Nazi comparisons, gets literally everything wrong. From The Guardian. Melania Trump's former immigration lawyer compares border crisis to Nazi Germany and slave trade. And then not to be outdone, here's Newsweek. ICE director uses Nazi defense to claim border policy is not like Hitler regime. We're just following orders. Okay, I get the sense that all these people, these major outlets, these are not fringe people, right? These are major outlets on the left. They're all comparing Donald Trump and his administration to Hitler and the Nazis. This raises a serious question because there are only two options here. One, uh, these people are being hysterical and disingenuous and nobody actually thinks that Donald Trump is Hitler or his administration are Nazis. That's one option. Or they actually think that these guys are Nazis. And in order to fight against the Nazis, they're perfectly willing to tweet a little bit and wear pink hats. 
Imagine these people. I mean, actually imagine this for a second. If you thought that Hitler had just taken power in the country and then you didn't do anything about it. And then you just thought like, eh. You actually thought that there was a regime in power now that's about to start murdering millions and millions of people, overtaking our neighbors, invading Canada and Mexico and Poland, I don't know, and deporting, you know, people and murdering uh, people and genocide and all of these awful, uh, horrendous, evil things. And then you said, in response to that, I'm going to tweet and nothing else. That's all I'm going to do. Those people would be wor- those people would be worse than Hitler, right? They would be vichy Americans. They would be people. What's the line they say? Uh, All that it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. They're people who are doing less than nothing. They're just, hey, look, it's Hitler. It's you know the the thought experiment. If you could kill baby Hitler, would you kill him? They're like they see adult Hitler. He's like walking right by them. They're like, hey, look, baby Hitler. But that, I mean, it's so, so obviously they're disingenuous. Nobody thinks this guy's actually Hitler. But you should point out to them, if you actually think he's Hitler, you're abetting Nazis. You're allowing, you're just standing idly by while the Nazis wreak havoc and destruction and evil on the world. So good job, Vichy. Good job, Vichy American. (laughs) But obviously that's not the case. People are being totally disingenuous and uh, nobody actually thinks that, which is why people are ignoring the mainstream media. In the, in the few minutes before we have to go here, I'll just, I will just point that out. Everything is getting better in this country and that's why they're being so hysterical. Even, uh, you know, I, I feel like this could be a daily segment, things that are getting better today (laughs) because every day there's something new. We have uh, out now uh, millennials uh, are finally moving out of their parents' house. So during the Obama era, they just kept living with their parents at greater and greater numbers. Uh, in 2017, that number finally started to tick down. So 31.5% of millennials are currently living with their parents. That number is pretty high. I think the standard number of, of uh, people in that age group living with parents is about 28%. So that number is pretty high, but it finally ticked down from 32%. So the number is finally turning. Why? I don't Because the country is getting better and people are making more money and people are finally more employed. We have virtually zero unemployment right now. We have more open jobs than people looking for jobs. Uh, we, and, and by the way, in defense of the millennials, they do have a trillion and a half dollars of student loan debt and they got basically nothing for it. They got these awful fake education uh, degrees. You know, they've, they've got these degrees, but they didn't learn anything in college and certainly no useful skills and not even serious liberal arts or liberal education. Uh, for the millennials too, the wages that they're earning are lower than their parents were earning at the same age. They're, they're actually significantly lower, like 20% lower. In 2013, the, the uh, average millennial earnings were about $40,000, a little bit more. Boomers, their parents earned inflation adjusted over 50000 at that same age. So they actually do have it a little tough. But finally, after the Obama malaise, the economy is doing better and they're moving out of their parents' house. That's very good. Uh, Millennials are the largest generation in the workforce right now, 35%. So uh, we should hope that they can afford their own apartment. Uh, Right now, it just came out from the uh, National Association of Manufacturers. Over 95% of manufacturers are optimistic about the future. They say things are going well and things are getting better. That is the highest number ever recorded from that association record-breaking numbers. Why? Because things are going well. Uh, Disability claims are way down. This one's amazing because when the economy is bad, all of a sudden people start to get disabled. And it's really weird. You know, you say, oh gosh, how did that, did that economy come crashing down on you and broke your back or something? And people file these bogus disability claims and they start getting on the government dole because they can't get any work and they don't really want to work and everything's just boring and sad. Uh, Two years ago, from the Social Security Disability Fund. Uh, Analysts said that that fund would run out by 2023. 
which is coming up pretty close because there were so many people on it during the Obama economy. Now, uh, analysts are changing their tune. They're saying it won't be depleted until 2032. And actually, we might have more good news. It might be even later because people aren't using it because they're getting work. They're getting jobs. The country is doing better. And what's happening? Rachel Maddow is crying. What is Rachel Maddow crying about? Is she crying about the kids being detained because their parents, their criminal parents entered the country illegally and subjected them to this uh, horrible situation? No. She's not crying about that because uh, then she would have been crying about it when it was much worse in 2014 under Obama. She's not crying about that at all. Rachel Maddow is crying because things are going so, so well and her side is losing because of it. Because her side offered nothing but failure and malaise and division and America has finally turned a corner. Things are going well and what's going to happen? Your Tumblr is going to fill up. So go to dailywire.com. Make sure you have it. I'll just be here sipping on this for the rest of the day. Get your mailbag questions in for Thursday. Until tomorrow, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you soon. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Villarreal. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer, Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.